I'm Scott Abraham from ABC7 in Washington, D.C. You know who it is. Travis Thomas Experience. This is Eric at home of Yahoo Sports. This is Mitch Tischler. This is Al Galdi, and you're listening to The Big Douglas Show. There's got to be like seven, right? Eight o'clock now. Yeah, yeah, it's coming up eight o'clock. Yeah, we're five hours ahead. So these are perfect times for me. (laughs) Sometimes I've recorded these at like two, three in the morning. Oh, wow. All right, here we go. It is The Big Douglas Show. Andy Burrows is in the co-host chair. And for a preview Friday, get us all cut up on Dallas Week. Logan Paulson is our guest today. Logan, what's happening? Hey, not much, man. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Always glad to have return guests. Makes me feel like we didn't blow it the first time. <laughs> so uh, let's get right to it. I, I'm stunned that the uh, that the coach for Dallas came out and said what he had to say. Does stuff like that actually fire you guys up in the locker room? I mean, does does the rock does the David and Goliath rock against the chalk? Does does that stuff really work in the locker room? I'm curious. So, yeah, I think it just depends on the coach. I think when you respect the coach and you respect their process and you respect how they uh, prepare each week, I think that that kind of stuff does resonate with the guys. And I think that um, Ron has done a really nice job of seemingly to motivate this group each and every week. And he's found little things like that. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, when he throws the rock, I love seeing the guys get all loud and boisterous and they, they're into it. They feel it. They, they respect it. And um, I find that works really well with the staff that is well respected. And, um, you know, I think that that, you know, the stuff Mike McCarthy said this week, I think kind of lends itself to this narrative and this culture that Ron's created of kind of being able to win um, kind of with emotional motivations. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, this thing started against Tampa Bay, David and Goliath, and each and every week they've kind of parlayed that. You know, you look Tampa Bay, maybe the best team in the NFL, get a win. Carolina, former team of Ron Rivera, uh, obviously. And then, you know, the Las Vegas game kind of the scheduling nightmare that that was and how you could easily play that up into a narrative to support this underdog theory. And now again, one more week. And then Mike McCarthy's guaranteeing a win. Dallas kind of talks about you like you're the little brother. So I, so I think this is a, this is a fantastic opportunity to kind of play into this, um, this culture that Ron's built. Logan, do you think that, that what McCarthy done, was it yesterday or a couple of days ago now with saying, Oh, we are going to win that the Washington football team, they were already motivated. But I said on Wednesday's show, when we had meet the opposition, we have that over here in our soccer. It happens all the time. You just pin that on the locker room door and you go. I mean, Washington don't need that motivation. This is a divisional game. He McCarthy's basically done Ron Rivera's job for him. I'd li- pin that on the locker room wall, look at it, read it, go out yeah. and kick some ass. I mean, what, 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 do you think that that's it's plain and simple? Is it as a player? As it's, it's something you could just go out there. No more mo- motivation needed, is there? No, yeah, I totally agree. I think, and that's why it's kind of befuddling and baffling that Mike McCarthy would do that. You know, it's it just seems so unnecessary. Like you're not exactly blowing the doors off as the as the Dallas football team right now. You have a fantastic roster. You've done a great job building this thing that is maybe one of the best rosters in the NFL at the moment. But you're not playing great football. Dak's not playing great football. Your two running backs are banged up. The offensive line run game is somewhat lacking at the moment. It's not like you're rolling in here blowing people out by 14 points. It's like you got to win against the New Orleans team that has no skill players. They're on their third, their fourth quarterback of the season. He's um, got a broken finger. He fo- throws four interceptions. Like not a demonstrative win. You lose to Oak, uh, to Las Vegas, excuse me, in like a kind of a shootout game on Thanksgiving. You've got your tail kicked by Kansas City. Like I don't understand exactly where this confidence is coming from. And I understand you look at you know Washington's roster and you say, well, Dallas is way better, but they've been better since the beginning of the season, you know, and they're not playing great football at the moment. So. I don't know what he's getting at. Maybe he's trying to fire up his guys. Maybe he's trying to show that he's got confidence in them. But I think that was a miscalculation on his part. Me too. That's what it made me feel mm-hmm. like was that 
McCarthy feel like he needed something extra for his guys. Maybe. And, and that they needed to hear it, that they maybe weren't doing their thing. You know, it's funny, this uh, this Daniel or David versus Goliath thing they've got going on. Part of that story, for those that aren't up on their Bible stories, you know, they tried to get David <laughs> to put on all kinds of suits and armor to go fight Goliath. And in the end, David said, that's not my style. I just need, you know, my slingshot and a rock. I think that's the key to this game, right? Mm -hmm. Is that it's crazy in a, in a league where everybody's trying to race to forty at the bye week, and and Ron's done this a bunch, right? Where he zigs when you zags, he's the mm -hmm. king of the pivot. Back to smash mouth football, it seems like that's the formula for winning this game, also. But the, I don't think they're winning if they only put up seventeen, right? Yeah, one hundred percent, and that's the big kind of conundrum when you play these types of games where you're all ball control managing third downs, lots of third down conversions, your margin for error is so slight. Like think about if one of those balls gets picked off, like they lose the game. And that's that's the error, right? Any mistake, any fumble, any turnover, any miscalculation in terms of going it forward on fourth down, it it leads to the other team winning because you're only you're it's the slightest, you're walking the razor's edge there. So this week I think they're going to need to kind of cultivate some type of uh downfield explosive play passing attack. I know that hasn't been their forte, but something two, three, four, five shots in the course of a game, take advantage of good field position, throw the football down the field because you can't rely on this week in and week out. You know, I just – I look at the Seattle game and I say to myself, like, they played well and they and they dominated that game. But the the, the inconsistency on those third and shorts was is, is a huge issue and it shows that this team isn't quite where people want to put them yet, right? They still have some deficiencies um, as an offense and I think that that's something that needs to be understood. And, it, and again, I think that game also, Seattle, shows just how hard it is to consistently, methodically work these longer, you know, 12 to 15 play drives. So I think they need to find something in this game, some kind of spark, kick return, uh, maybe a trick play of some kind, just to kind of generate some offense in terms of the explosive. Because I think the game, like, they're going to keep it close, 20, 24 to 20 maybe, 23 to 20 if they're going to win. So they got to find a way to kind of generate some more points than they have been. Mm. Logan, who would you say the pressure's on more this weekend? Obviously, we're coming off four great games. Mm -hmm. um, and like I said again on Wednesday, if you had gone back four weeks and spoke to the Cowboys, they probably thought, oh, Washington, they're not up to much. We've now gone on this great streak, which we tend to do. We've done it last season. We got on a roll. We got on the we got into the playoffs. Where would the where would, in your opinion, does the pressure lie? Is it Washington being the home team? We're in the form team. Maybe that's why, like you said, maybe that's why Dallas starts speaking a lot of BS during the week or is the pressure on Dallas coming in? Because, you know, momentum something really key in the NFL. And Washington have got that right now. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I think from the outside world looking in at this game, I think the pressure is on Dallas to win this football game. They're the better roster. They have the better quarterback. They have more – they have better skill position players. They have a better offensive line. All of those things. However, like, um, I think a lot of fans are putting a lot of pressure on the Washington football team because of the four-game <laughs> winning streak, right? And I think they are – they're playing well, like – Hats off to them. Hats off to the coaching staff. They're overachieving, like trying to take nothing away from them. But I think that's something you want to try and avoid if you're Ron Rivera is making it feel like there's any kind of pressure on this group, right? There's any kind of expectation because the, the reason they're successful is when they outperform expectation. They kind of shove it in everybody's face, right? And so I think that's important. But, but in terms of, you know, just a thousand foot view of the NFL, the pressure's on Dallas 100%. But I do think locally here in the, D, in the DMV area, Washington's catching a little bit more, uh, a little bit more pressure than they probably should. 
That's a good thing, though, really, because you know we haven't we haven't been in this situation for many True. many years, and no, you know this this is what normal football fans feel we've like. We've been this in the juice <laughs> for this Dow this Dallas week. It seems like for a while, but feels like the juice is back. Logan Thomas is out. It felt like he was getting ready to take another step. Like he mm. put it all together this year. So disappointing to see him go down. Now Kuiper, I remember when Bates gets drafted, had talked about how good his hands were, and that maybe it was a route running thing that kept him from being like one of those first couple tight ends taken. Mm. I know you love the position. Tell me what you see in Bates and how much more better you think he can get. I think I said more better. I should not have said more better. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think there's <clears> – <throat> excuse me. I think the thing about Bates – like when I when I watch this tape, so, you know, I go through every offseason and I watch – I think it's the top 15 guys, and he wasn't on any of my lists. Like when I talk to my tight end coaches in the NFL, I get lists from them. He wasn't on there. And then um, when he got drafted, I was like, oh, shoot, I haven't watched him. But then I went back and reevaluated, and, like, he is – he's a unicorn in today's NFL. And what I mean by that is he's a guy who grew up in the fire of run blocking. He understands run blocking. It's important to him. He plays with a phys physical approach. And everyone talks about Gibson's resurgence, and I think Bates playing more has been a part of that, has been a feature of that. And I think he deserves a ton of credit for it. And then kind of like you alluded to, like the icing on the cake there – is the fact that he has really nice hands and he's a good athlete. He's a, he's a good athlete for his size, I should say, right? He can kind of move his body. He's very dexterous when the ball's in the air. It doesn't, like a lot of those big blocking guys, the ball kind of gets on them quick and it looks like they're fighting the football. He doesn't have that. So I think what you do is you basically bring what, a, what amounts to another offensive lineman on the field, but the defense can't match you in a, in, a, in a kind of a true run-stopping personnel because of Bates' dexterity in the passing game, right? I think the thing that kind of drops his value is he's not like this guy who's going to run a 4-6-40. I think he ran a 4-8-something. But he plays fast enough, and he's physical enough, and I think that's where he makes up for it. So I think as much as missing Logan Thomas, Thomas is a huge thing, I think Bates' skill set helps in other areas. And I think having Ricky Seals-Jones maybe going to play, I don't know what the final word is on that. Maybe it's a game-time decision. Um Sounds like bring, maybe he'll play. Right. You bring that receiving skill set that obviously Logan Thomas is is the best of that group in that area. But, you know, Ricky Seals-Jones, converted wide receiver, very dynamic in that area. So I think two bodies replace one, and I think Bates' physicality in the run game is a big factor this week. Mm, definitely. Um, oh, Logan, obviously people talk about Terry and Antonio Gibson. Uh, we spoke on Wednesday's show. Dallas, we had a, obviously our, our Dallas guest on on opposition Wednesday. He would they they seem to think that all they've got to do is focus on Terry and they'll win the game. Mm. Who in who in your opinion? I mean, you look at like you've got Patterson, DeAndre Carter, Curtis Samuel. Who who out of the not so you know the glamorous names? Who for you do you think needs to have a standout game for Washington? Because I've been so impressed with like DeAndre Carter, even though he mm. used some special teams and then he got some snaps at wide receiver. I'm really impressed with that guy. Who for you needs to step out of the pack this week and could have like a, a breakout game for Washington? So I'm going to kind of take uh, take the easy way out, but I think this is the truth, and that's why it's easy for me to talk about. So what I think <laughs> is, well, I think that that second wide receiver spot has basically been by committee. You know, mm. Cam Sims in certain situations, DeAndre Carter in certain situations, Jamie Brown in certain situations, uh, Adam Humphreys in certain situations, and I think that whole group has kind of lifted the production uh, lifted the production level of that second wide receiver spot to what would be usually equivalent to one player. So mm -hmm. I think that that is kind of my expectation is that they continue to do that. When they call on Cam Sims to make a tough catch, he can make it. DeAndre Carter, when he's got to run that choice route or the reverse or the whatever, he's got to make it, right? And all of those guys have to work together. And in some ways it's detrimental because you have kind of all these people that need to play well. But in some ways it's nice because you have offsetting skill sets. And you mm -hmm. so you get kind of – 
You get the six-five frame of Cam Sims. You get the quick, shifty kind of slot receiver guy who can make some plays for you in the outside and DeAndre Carter, right? You get the per, the burning kind of fast speed of De'Ami Brown. And I, hats off to Scott Turner. He's done a nice job of of kind of making a second wide receiver by committee, by amalgamation. And I think that that is really cool. So in my opinion, all of those, like it can't be one of those guys. All mm. those guys have to play solid football. And, you know, prior to the Logan Thomas injury, he was the number two wide receiver. And now I think it's back. It reverts back to what it was before Logan was healthy, right? It was all those receivers kind of working in conjunction. Ricky Seals Jones getting some targets, Bates working in and a little trickeration to help those guys scheme open. So I think that's what I'm looking mm. for out of that second wide receiver spot. Humphreys has gone under the radar as well, I think, mm-hmm. a little bit. If you noticed yeah. last week, some big plays, like third downs, where you're thinking, oh, we're going to just hand the ball off to Gibson or Terry McLaurin. When it's big plays and big downs, I've noticed over a few games that Humphreys is the man they turn to. I mean, he's gone really under the radar. Yeah, and I think you look at his history, like the history of, of what he's done in the NFL, and it makes sense that you would turn to him. He's kind of made a nice career out of being that third down wide receiver. And, you know, he's been his health has been an issue the last couple of seasons, which is why people don't talk about him as much. But he's very he's very dexterous in that role. He's very, um, he's very skilled and uh, you can see his history and his acumen when he runs those routes and he feels zones well and he understands coverages. So I think it, it makes sense. You know, it makes sense. I think it took a long time for um, Heineke to develop the rapport with him. It seems, you know, he seems to be very comfortable with it. Like I got to interview him after the, uh, the Las Vegas game. Gosh, if you want to say Oakland after the Las Vegas <laughs> game, Heineke kept saying like, they finally seem to be on the same page in terms of how they're seeing concepts and how he's reading coverages, you know, and I think that's really cool. And it makes sense because, you know, Heineke wasn't the starter. He didn't get a ton of reps with Humphrey. So now they're reaping the rewards of the added repetitions with each other. Hmm. Logan, if it's, if it's Collins, McKissick and Jamin Davis, who are, uh, you know, on, on the questionable list, which of those three are most important to the success of the team on Sunday, do you think? So I think that uh, when I look at this, it's it, this is going to sound insane, but it's Landon Collins. You know what I mean? He has been so awesome. Crazy what a couple of weeks will do, right? Yeah. <laughs> He's been so awesome in this kind of Buffalo nickel safety linebacker hybrid role. Like, I love that they've got him playing closer to the line of scrimmage. Like, so I got to watch Michael Parsons a ton this week. And he's a hell of a football player. But when I watch Landon Collins in the context of this Washington team defense, he's playing at that kind of level. You know, turnovers, tackles for losses, running to the football, understanding coverage concepts, kind of he's not the deep safety, but understanding how to match underneath. And he's been extremely advantageous to this group. And I, and I look at how many bodies it took to replace him. You know what I mean? It took uh, Khalid Hudson. It took Jamin Davis. It took DeShazer Everett. It took, I forget the nickel guy, but it took him in there too. So that's four people to replace the production of one guy. And that just isn't sustainable over the course of the season, right? So I think getting him back, especially this week against Dallas, where they want to run the football, they have some dynamic receivers, help that group just improve as much as possible. I think that's it. The second one of that would be probably McKissick. I think McKissick has done an outstanding job. You know, he's just is such an impactful player in the past game. He can, he brings a spark in the run game. Uh, and then, you know, to, to be fair to Jamin Davis, I think each week he's getting better and you're seeing flashes of something really special. Like last week he missed a couple of tackles, but what I say is he is flying to the football. He's matched up in coverage well. He's very close to making a step. So I'm disappointed if he doesn't play because I want to keep seeing reps and I want to see him keep improved uh, because I think he I think next year – like, I think he could be a very, very impactful player for this defense. Mm. As well as Heineke's done, uh, Logan, and he's, he's surprising us all. I mean, that guy mm. has got grit and determination. 
is it really important that this week, obviously, we're on a four-game winning streak. We're playing Dallas. We know the games are coming up. We know that our future is in our hands. How important is it that he plays the game and not the occasion come Sunday? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, I think I think it really comes down to Scott Turner in this situation. You know, you talk about Heineke, but I think Scott's done a really good job of, of limiting the decisions Heineke has to make over the course of a game, right? You know, like they've really leaned on the run game. They've really kind of leaned into passing concepts that he feels comfortable with. And you can see he's confident. He knows where to go with the football. And yep. that has a lot to do with play calling. Taylor Heineke also said Scott Turner's done a really good job of, of, of playing to his strengths and what he does well. And then you can see that on the field. So I think as long as Scott can kind of keep – like keep him in the rain, like you know, like a horse. You kind of keep him reined yeah, in. Kind of stick him. stick to the basics of football, kind of thing. Exactly right. Mm. Um, I think that he'll be okay. I think he mm. gets in trouble when he starts pressing and, like you said, starts playing starts playing to the moment as a, mm. as opposed to being in the game. And I think play calling is a part of that. And I think um, honestly, like defensive defensive football is important to that. Like if if, it, if they're down by fourteen, I think you're going to see a different Taylor Heineke than the one you've seen the last couple of weeks, right? I think you're going to see a guy who's trying to force the ball, make plays that aren't there. And mm -hmm. so to me, it's like everybody's got to support him. And that's why this team is so cool. But that's why it's also like such a small margin for error, right? Everybody's got to play well. Everyone's got to support each other. Because if not, then it all falls apart. Yeah, most definitely. How crazy is this when I tell you, I, I saw this earlier today, fourth center on the season <laughs> and the fourth kicker yeah. on the season. The fourth center, I remember when the first center went down, and I looked at my wife while I watched the game, and I said, this could be a problem. <laughs> you know, losing the center is a big deal. Particularly yeah. for this offense, right, because he's making a lot of the calls for mm -hmm. protection. Right? Fourth center, explain to people that are watching just how crazy and devastating it is to not lose one center but three. Well, I think it's – I mean, you just go down the list. You say Rulier's out. Um, Toth, is that the other guy? Toth is mm -hmm. out. Mm -hmm. And then Schweitzer is probably of that – is maybe the most significant because he plays guard and center. He's your swing guard. You know what I mean? Like that's a really important position to have, especially going into game day. And then to be here with Ishmael at your fourth guy, it's it's incredibly crucial because like, like you said, um, A, the center has to know kind of the ins and outs of the offense, the run game, the pass protections. They are responsible for a lot of that. Obviously the interaction with the quarterback in terms of snapping the football, silent cadence, all those variables that are, are go, go, go in tune with that process. Obviously huge issues. And then, um, and then just being able to execute with the guys next to you, right? Getting reps with those guys because every double team feels a little different. Everyone does slide protection a little different. Everyone sees the rules a little different. So for that group to adjust internally is really nice. And I think the offensive line coach deserves every ounce of credit. I've heard he's a psychopath when it comes to making guys do walkthroughs. <laughs> they do like six or seven walkthroughs a day. So that everyone says, oh, that's just walkthroughs. But everyone at least knows what how to see it. The, the vision for the offensive line. And so that's why I think all these interchangeable parts have just executed so well because they've all been slogging through these walkthroughs day in and day out. So everybody, you know, the first guy, the last guy, know it about the same, which is crazy to think about, but props to them for for being able to kind of teach, teach the system that way. And th this franchise hasn't been blessed with a ton over the last 20 years. Offensive line coach, we have. I mean, <laughs> they had a good offensive line coach back to when you were playing. Yeah. I mean, really, you know, um, and uh, that that's always been, I think it, that goes under the radar how important those guys are, particularly like ours who uh, pretty much dials up the run game. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And uh, that's great. I mean, you know, talk about the Hogs and all these guys. And, you know, I worked with uh, Bill Callahan and Chris Forrester and all these guys who are, 
kind of consider off offensive line gurus. And so however they evaluate offensive line coaches here should be kind of the formula for how they evaluate everybody else on the staff. <laughs> Logan, as a as a player, we all speak about this game as fans and you guys, you know what this means to us. As a player going into these kind of games, what, is, what does it mean to the players? Obviously, I know they have to give the party line. It's just another game. We want to mm -hmm. live in the moment on a Sunday. But you know what's the buzz around the DMV. I mean, I'm sitting over here in England. Me and all my mates are going to a bar on a Sunday to watch mm -hmm. this game. This game is going worldwide. As players, how hard is it just to focus in on that Sunday? It's easy said, but is it easy to do? Well, you know, my process as a player was very different. You know, and everyone, some people lean into the lean into the moment. They, they play bigger in the moment. They like the lights. My process was just to study, to study more and like tune everything out. And so when you get to game day, it didn't even, quite honestly, it didn't feel any different because you just mm -hmm. had prepped the same exact way you were, at least I was super methodical in my approach. So I tried to like not think about it in that, in this national televised light, you know, like Monday night football was always super stressful because you can't avoid that. You're, you've added a day to your prep and it's all off, but this one, at least it feels normal, you know, one o'clock game coming in, start the kickoff, all the it won't feel different till you get out there until you put the helmets on. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of a good thing because it's like, you know, got the blinders on as a horse, just walking down the track and then you show up to the track and you just run as fast as you can. You know what I mean? And I think that mm -hmm. that's hopefully what this team does and hopefully they don't get in their own heads about it too much. Yeah. Are you focused a bit more? Cause not that, normally, you know, the games that we've got coming up, but with so many divisional games now, we know if we do well in all these divisional games, we know the end result. We, mm -hmm. It's the good thing about having these divisional games. Does that affect your thinking as a player then, knowing that you've got you've got Dallas, you've got the Eagles, you've got the Eagles again, you've got Dallas, you've got New York, you know, all these divisional games. It's unheard of, really. Yeah. This and, do you like, and do you like it this way? Do you like the yeah. uh, divisional at the end of the game? It, yeah, this is a little unprecedented. I know this has always been a, a thing with this division. Like, even when I played, we, we wouldn't get, you know, it wouldn't be like this where they're all stacked five back to back. But, you know, we'd have, it would be denser near the end of the year, which I like that. I like kind of the denseness because it felt different. It kind of gave gave a different emotion to it. You know what I mean? It just, there was, I liked it more. That's just personal preference. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. I mean, this is something that they probably talked about in the meeting this week. Like, Hey, we win this one and we kind of set our own destiny. And like, that's a big thing in the NFL is being in control of your own destiny. And I look at this group and I say like, they have an opportunity to do something pretty cool here, but it starts with one, right? So it's as much as you want to look ahead and say, we've got these five, games that get us to the playoffs and get us more money and get us, you know, to our ultimate goal of winning the Super Bowl, you got to handle this one first, you know? And so like being able to, again, keep, keep the blinders on, run your race as best you can, stay in your lane, do your job. Like, I know that sounds so cliche, but like as a, as a guy who, who's coached high school football, like that's so important, you know, and that's important at every level. It was important in college. It's important in the NFL and it takes a good coach to be able to keep those blinders on. Right. So that's one thing I'm, I'm interested to see, right? We talked about Ron earlier in the show. And can he keep these guys focused this week? Like if you see some type of huge crack in this facade, obviously you know that the, they're not the team we thought they were. They're not as mature as we thought they were. And so I think this is a big maturity game for a lot of the reasons that you guys have mentioned. Lever, we'd be remiss if we didn't ask you if you had a couple of moments in the, this rivalry game that stands out to you. I know you've been in several of them. Yeah, so I think in 2012, obviously, that season was fantastic. Um, beating them in Thanksgiving, you know, Pierre with the touchdown, Santana Moss, Aldrich Robinson, all these guys just playing outstanding and big plays and just taking a good football team and beating the brakes off of them, basically. You know what I mean? In their home stadium on Thanksgiving under the lights was awesome. And then 
uh, when we clinched the division that year. It was fantastic. I mean, that was something really special. We rushed for like 200 yards against them. Alfred Morris played out of his mind. They couldn't stop us in the run game. And we really felt like we were going to win the Super Bowl. It was, it was the best feeling. And then in that game specifically, I had a big uh, third down catch, you know, that I – in the moment, it didn't seem that big, but in the meeting on Monday, Kyle brings it up in front of the meeting to the offensive coordinator, Kyle Shanahan, and says, this is the play that turned the game. And so I was like, you know, no one talks about it, but in the moment, I was like, that's the cool, you know, that's one of the best, that's one of the highlights of my career is getting called out like that. So um, those definitely, and those are two of the funnest times I ever had playing football, you know, because you just, mm. everyone's clicking, it's against a rival, it just felt different, you know, and like, it's it's hard to explain, but it was a really cool experience. Mm. Logan, is if there... you got to go in the sorry, Doug, go on. Okay, no, you go, um, I was just, I was just going to go ahead. Logan, if you got to go in the locker room before the game, what would your final message be to the team before they walked out? I mean, quite honestly, um, I wouldn't. I don't know if I would take the opportunity to talk to them. You know what I mean? Because like, I, I don't know if I'd earn the opportunity, but I would definitely be something along the lines of like, listen to you. Just enjoy the heck out of the moment, like because you're not going to get many of these, right? It's mm. not for long. Like this is one of those special things that. You're going to look back like you're going to be talking to some guy in a podcast about in 20 years and be like, oh, my gosh, like I played in this game. And uh, like, so have fun, enjoy it, drink the moment in. But, you know, also make sure you're doing what you're supposed to do and you execute at a high level. And that's really all you can say. Right. Like at that point, it's just do your job and enjoy the hell out of it, because like everything in this life, it's not going to be here forever. Doug, don't forget to book Terry McLaurin in 20 years' time, okay? I'll be on on that. Let's wrap with this. Two things before we get to some score predictions. Logan, if there's one battle that you'll be watching on Sunday, is there there one battle that sticks out to you that, that should be the most entertaining? It's, I mean, it's, it's, to me, it's the most entertaining and it's probably the most critical one of the game, right? They're getting, uh, Randy Gregory, they're getting Demarcus Lawrence, they're getting, uh, that other guy back the defensive three technique for them yeah yeah yeah. thank you neville and uh and that's the first time they're going to have their starting defensive front in for the whole year you know and those guys like randy gregory when he was playing looked like a difference maker like a top five pass rusher and you know demarcus lawrence i had the privilege of playing against him he is no joke as a run stopper and as a pass rusher so that that defensive line all of a sudden looks drastically different you can move michael parsons to linebacker you can move him to sam you can load the box up because you've got all this speed out there and this physicality and this group for, for, um, for Washington has done a good job against some really tatted groups. Like I think about how they handled Vita Vea and JPP and Shaq Barrett in terms of how they played against Tampa Bay. And I say like, they're up to the task, but this is going to be a little different. It's a little different type of athletes now, better athletes, you know, on the defensive front, which is always tough to handle. And can they handle the charge? Cause I watched the New Orleans game. And I see a lot of line stunts, which are tremendously difficult to stop in terms of run game, right? And you get guys open. So can they, you know, we mentioned the walkthrough. We mentioned the mental preparation that group does every week. Can they meet that intellectual and physical challenge, especially given the fact that like a lot of these guys haven't played. So there's not a lot of film on them. So how do you know what they're going to do? How do you know their moves? How do you know their approach? So I think that that's something I'm going to keep an eye on, especially with a group, like you said, backup center, backup right tackle, you know, and, Obviously, you got the, the the meat of that team is still the meat of that group is still there, but man, that is a daunting challenge. And so much of what this team does is reliant on them. They just need to have a fantastic game. If they have a fantastic game, Washington will win this game. Well, let's do it there. Let's uh, prediction uh, for Sunday, Logan. Prediction for Sunday, man. Oh my gosh, this is like everyone's been asking me about this, and I don't feel great about <laughs> Washington, right? But I, I, I 
there's something about the team right now, and I just can't bring myself to pick against them. You know what I mean? I just think if they come out and play the way they played the last couple of weeks, I know Dallas is a better team. I know that. I understand they got a better roster. I know that. I know analytically, like, they got a better quarterback, all those things. But there's something about the character of this team and the leadership that Ron has brought that makes me say maybe. And I think they can win a close one if they play their game plan. Now, if if, if Dallas comes out and scores 14 right out the gate, the game plan changes. They can't keep up, right? But if they can play the game plan that they want to play, I can predict a low-scoring game, like maybe 23 to 20, 24 to 21, something like that. Really tight, kind of last-second play because that's how they've been playing all these games. They need to find a way to get some offense cooking. You know what I mean? Some yeah. explosive plays because 17 points definitely will not cut it. But um, I, there's something about the team that I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I'm in. I'm in on it, and I think they're going to win. Andy, what do you got? I've got 24-20, Washington. Um, I think we need to – one thing I noticed and I was impressed with last week, and we've done it the last few games, and it's taken us a while to get there this season. We've started fast. Mm. Too many times over the last few months, the last few years even, Washington, have, they haven't done that. They haven't done – they've either done one or the other. We've started slow and we've come out second quarter. The last few weeks, I'm going on this four-game streak. We've started the game fast. We've started with intent. Sometimes with Washington teams, you just want to get them and shake them and like hurry up and get going, you know. But now we seem to be, you know, from the, oh, from the first kickoff last week, and we were on it. Antonio Gibson went for an amazing run in the very first play of the game. So I think Washington need to – Keep doing that. I don't want watch, I don't want us to change anything. Don't think, oh, because it's Dallas and it's this and this. No, just play your game. Play what's got you here in this four-game winning streak. Don't change anything. Don't try and do like I don't want Scott to go loads of different things and do what's got you to this to this point. And I think we'll and I, I'm with Logan though. I think we'll win a very close one. I like I like Washington 27-24. It's funny to what a, what a win streak will do, you know, to the confidence. <laughs> yeah. Logan, before we let you run out of here, you're doing really cool stuff with the uh, with the website for the Washington football team and NBC, right? How, yeah. how did that come about and tell them when and what you got going on? Yeah, so I do uh, a TV show with Julie Donaldson, um, Washington Football Today with Julie Donaldson on NBC Sports Washington. And uh, that's been a lot of fun. And it just kind of came out serendipity. You know, I was doing the post-game show for the radio and she said she was driving home one day and she heard me. So she's like, I'm going to bring him on. I did some freelance stuff for a while and it kind of turned into this more consistent thing, which has been a ton of fun, you know, and obviously like I get to talk about football, which is a game that I love. And she's been very supportive of me and the whole staff has been very supportive of me, which is great. And then um, I also put some of that stuff up on my, up on my Instagram, which is Logan underscore Paulson 82. So yeah, uh, yeah, it's, it's been a really he, nice opportunity. He refuses to get a Twitter handle. They've been begging him. They're beg <laughs> the fans are begging him to get on Twitter. Maybe we'll, we'll get, get Mike Reed to ask him. They're buddies. <laughs> right. He won't do it. Logan, I really appreciate you coming on today, man. I had a ton of fun, and always we, we learn something every time. So appreciate you. Dude, I really appreciate you having me on. And, like, I tell you, this has gotten so much better, man. Like, this is like – you guys are awesome. Really good. Really great job. Oh, Thank thanks, Logan. Appreciate it, man. man. Take care, brother. Yeah, take it easy, guys. Thanks, man.